This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today on the On Enquirer podcast, let's talk about this crazy wild Big Ten that now has a champion. The Wisconsin Badgers picked 10th in the preseason poll. I was one of those guys that had them in the bottom half of the league. I don't remember. It was 8th or ninth or somewhere around there. But just didn't see them having this kind of season. It's their season, that's for sure, as they find a way to bank in two shots. Not one, two shots, including the game winner by Chucky Hepburn, to defeat Purdue and win and clinch a share of the Big Ten. All they got to do to get sole possession is defeat Nebraska. But look out for those Cornhuskers getting hot late in the season. But congratulations to Wisconsin. Uh, It's amazing. 15 straight games they've won that have been decided by two possessions or fewer. Luck? Yeah, it's got to be a little bit of fortune (laughs) to, to beat some bad teams by that few points over and over again to have those many games the things go right that have to go right but there's also a skill in that there you also got to just tip your cap and say they don't beat themselves the other teams make mistakes they find a way to make comebacks johnny davis finds a way to get to the free throw line brad davison knows where to be and when to be there and piss off other teams <laughs> you got to give them a little bit of credit for that and they just play so dang hard they play so dang hard they play together uh, they are well coached. I think Greg Gard is certainly going to be the coach of the year in the Big Ten. Uh, but kudos to Wisconsin for that. Now Illinois needs to win out and needs Nebraska to knock off Wisconsin to get a share of the Big Ten title. Today we will talk about that with Isaac Trotter, 24-7 Sports. Does a great job covering college basketball. And, of course, you guys love hearing from him. So, And I love talking to him. So great to catch up with him about everything going on. We talk about some NCAA tournament seating. We talk about the Big Ten tournament. Uh, But we also talk about this final week and what's at stake for Illinois, even though some things are outside, you know, their hands when it comes to getting a share of the Big Ten title. We we talk about why this week could be very important for Illinois. Uh, We also talk about missing out potentially on a Big Ten title and why that stinks given what Illinois had happened the last three years. So we talk about that a little bit. But before we get to that, I just want to mention – I don't know if there is a greater um, compliment to a team and organization like Wisconsin when so much of your opponents and their fan bases are just exhausted by you, right? Like, just seeing Wisconsin, you just see the rest of the Big Ten just throw their hands up. Really? That happened? That this team wins? The Big Ten, again, when you look at them and you're like, they're not that good. They shouldn't be that good, but they are. The resume says they are. They're deserving. They've won more games in the Big Ten than anybody. But how does that happen? And I think the St. Louis Cardinals get this in baseball. Cubs fans, Dodgers fans, any National League fan 
Just like, what, that team's back in the playoffs? Who do, who do they got on that team? And now you got Arenado Goldschmidt, but usually it's guys like Pete Cosma beating you, right? <laughs> Daniel Descalso. Where did this Matt Carpenter guy come from? Where did Tyler O'Neill and those biceps come from, right? Uh, the Giants, San Francisco Giants, certainly are that way in baseball. Um, you could look into, into football and, and certainly say the Patriots all those years. I mean, you knew Tom Brady was great, but those defenses were great year after year, and it just felt like they were greater than the sum of their parts. And, and that that's a kudos to those organizations that are certainly able to, to do that year after year after year. And I think you see it in college basketball and certainly Wisconsin's part of that. Sometimes in football, Wisconsin's a part of that. They just, it's a well-run athletic department with the two programs at the top, football and basketball, just doing it over and over again. So yeah, they're, they're, I don't know what that team is to you. For me, it's the freaking Minnesota Twins. Every time the White Sox are usually good, the Twins try to find a way to be good. I was so happy last year they tailed off because it was just like, give us this one. When I was growing up, early 2000s, White Sox offense just loaded, just loaded. But the Twins bunted us, defensed us to death. And I didn't, like, hate the Twins. I just begrudged them because you have to respect them. Like, you have to respect what Wisconsin basketball does. They they're work so hard, they don't – beat themselves. They do all the things you should do if you're a fundamental basketball team. But they fundamental you to death. And it's boring and you just get angry at it when it's not your team. Right? So all you Cardinals fans, it's like, man, you have made. I know you don't win a title every year, but you're just in contention. You don't have to worry about making the playoffs most years. I know you went through three years there, but it's just, it's amazing. Like people think about the Twins, they think of Torrey Hunter, they think of Joe Maurer. You know who I think of? Jock Jones hitting a huge double to beat the White Sox by one. Or it's Joe Mays throwing seven innings scoreless ball against a, a great White Sox offense with Carlos Lee and Frank Thomas and Maglio Ordonez and Ray Durham and Jose Valentin. And those guys just can't hit Joe freaking Mays. That's how it is seeing Chucky Hepburn Right? Hitting a bank in three. Good player. Four-star prospect, 24-7. Or is he Tyler Wall, barely a top 200 prospect, turning into a heck of a player, all-Big Ten player? I'm sure it's the same way people feel about A.J. Pierzynski. A.J. Pierzynski, former twin, by the way. And Brad Davison, right? It's just, man, these teams bother you, but at some point you got to respect them. It's a begrudging, begrudging respect. At least that's how I feel. And I'm sure there's a team you go up against that, that you feel the same way. All right, let's talk some Big Ten. Illini Hoops, our guy Isaac Trotter, 24-7 Sports, joins us next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Let's talk about this league, the Big Ten, absolutely crazy. And it changes every week. And I've been talking about it each week with our guy, Isaac Trotter, 24-7 Sports. is all over the Big Ten and college basketball. And it's just so fitting, uh, Isaac, 
that uh, this crazy league ends up with Wisconsin picked 10th in the preseason. They get a share of the Big Ten, and all they got to do is beat Nebraska, but look out for those Cornhuskers. Don't let them get hot. Um, but Wisconsin gets a share of the league. I had them low in my prediction. I think I had them 8th, ninth, uh, somewhere in there. And, and why wouldn't you after all the talent they lost? I thought they'd be competitive, make an NCAA tournament, but uh, I did not see this coming. But it is very fitting that this Wisconsin team, fifth in the Ken Palm luck stat, two bank-in shots in the final 30 seconds to sweep Purdue and uh, not give Purdue a chance to, to get a, a share of the Big Ten title. Uh, thoughts on Wisconsin Badgers, your Big Ten champs, at least co-champs? I mean, it was that was an incredible scene last night. It was an incredible game. It went back and forth. I thought that the basketball that was being played, and especially in the second half, was really, really good. Uh, I, I was concerned a little bit because it felt like the stars weren't showing up. You didn't get much from Zach Eady. You didn't get much from Jaden Ivey. You didn't get much from Johnny Davis in that first half, and even for stretches of that second half, they were pretty invisible. But, you know, the, the thing that was on full display for me is that Wisconsin's role players really are underrated. I think that you're getting more out of Chucky Hepburn than you would have ever thought. Take away that bank three at the end. But everything else he did during that game, I think he finished with two assists and zero turnovers, which was huge. Um, and then you look at the what else the, the other guys are doing. Like Tyler Wall was arguably the best player on the floor for Wisconsin at times last night. And his ability to go at Zach Eady and, and do whatever he wanted on the block is just ridiculous. And Stephen Crowell doesn't hurt you. Jacoby Neath helps you. Chris Vogt comes off the bench and helps you. Ben Carlson helps you. It's just like all the other guys stepped up in such a Wisconsin way. And it, it, it's a little bit like the Cardinals, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they just find these different pieces that come in and just do the job. And they might not look all that intimidating, but they get the job done. And, and Wisconsin, we have to give them credit. They're the Big Ten champions right now, co-champions. And man, is this luck ever going to end? I don't know. They deserve it. I mean, they deserve this title, all the close games they won. There is a little bit of fortune that goes into making two bank shots, that goes into winning 15 straight games by two possessions or less. There's also some skill. There's also you know, the ability not to beat yourself. And we've been saying that for, what, two decades now. Wisconsin doesn't beat itself. Like, Purdue does. Illinois at times does. And that's maybe why they won't win 16 games. That necessitates probably a Big Ten championship here. But another guy that I know people don't want to give any credit to, like some of these plays can be dirty uh, or, or bend the rules a little bit, Brad Davison is, is invaluable to this team. Not only is he scoring 14 points a game, he just makes so many winning plays. Even if that's drawing a third foul on Edie that I didn't necessarily like, it's devilishly smart. Uh, I, I don't like that the refs get you know called into calling those calls, but Brad Davison knows how to do those things. And if Trent Frazier was doing that as an Illinois player, Demonte Williams was doing that as an Illinois player, you'd love it. He's a guy you hate playing against, uh, but you love when he's on your team. He's the A.J. Pierzynski, whatever you want to call it. But I want to ask you, Isaac, We've we've talked about this back and forth. Wisconsin is the St. Louis Cardinals of college basketball and the Big Ten basketball. And I give them like that to me is not like some put down, like they're just lucky. That is an organization. Like these guys play well together, they know their roles, and it seems like the organization gets the most out of them. And, and it all comes together into consistent winning. So what's it like to to root for one of those teams? 
you know, it's really nice not to have to worry about if my team's going to be competitive every year. You know what I mean? Like you just know the Cardinals are always going to be competitive. I sometimes take it for granted because, you know, you never feel like you always have like this World Series juggernaut. You're maybe not going out and spending like some of the big dogs in, in baseball, but it's it's nice to be competitive. And there's something to be said for being constantly competitive. And I think that's what we're seeing with Wisconsin. And the one thing that I, I think that's underrated about them is one, they always have point guard play, which is really huge. And I think Hepburn's turning into that next guy. And their player development, like you said, is so is so you know it's just different. The jar it's a jarring difference from some other programs. Like look at the difference between Stephen Crowell from last year to this year. Like he's he's made huge strides. Johnny Davis has made huge strides. You know Tyler Wall has turned into a completely different player with a ton of confidence. Who maybe he doesn't have the most analytically you know beloved game because he, he shoots a lot of threes and stuff. But it doesn't matter if he gets into the lane, he's going to take and find his spots and and do what he wants to do and he they're plays. so sound defensively so it's just it's it's a master class on player development from guys that you know are talented but they turn them into way better than what they are and they all just play so damn hard like they they just play so hard like tyler wall man and brad davis and like those guys play so hard johnny davis like the rebounds he gets it's it's a bunch of effort and that's culture that's uh you know coaches demanding it out of them so they play so dang hard and if, you, if you're not a fan of another big 10 team i think you'd like watching them because they get the most out of themselves uh, i do think my personal opinion isaac that Greg Gard solidified coach of the year last night. That I don't even know if he needed to win last night to get that, but I think he solidified that. Johnny Davis, I mean, every national analyst was saying he's got – I didn't even think he had that great of a game. I thought Jaden Ivey played better, uh, you know, towards especially when it mattered the most in crunch time, but um, he's had a heck of a year, and then he's stepped up in, in some big ways when they've needed to. So he's had those big-time games against big-time opponents. I think that's what separates him in a lot of people's minds compared to Kofi, who struggled against better opponents, uh, and, and Keegan Murray. who I, I think those guys are the top three. Keegan Murray's number is not – not quite as impressive as you'd expect against top 25 opponents. Johnny Davis only gets better, it seems like, against those top opponents. I think the stat was he's averaging 25 points and eight rebounds a game against top 25 teams. That, that'll do the job, right? Like, that'll do the job. And it's easy to overlook those clunkers against Penn State or some of the inefficient nights that he had uh, when he does that and when he goes absolutely off and plays like the best player on the floor. And now, yesterday, though, I didn't think he was the best player on the floor. Like, I thought that he really struggled at times. I think that he did a nice job, though, of not necessarily forcing the issue. I think he only finished with 12 field goal attempts, which is is low for him, one of his lowest outings of the year. And if you look back through his usage rates, his usage rate against Purdue the first game was the highest his of it his career like, i think he had like a 42 percent usage rate which is absolutely stupid and this game like he realized that hey they're all over me they have they're sending help my way and he trusted his teammates and i think that was really really important and at the same time like you look at jay nivey and you feel like he has these glimpses of where he's so so good but then there's also glimpses where you're like what are you doing? Like, I, I didn't know what he was doing on the floor. And it's just like, it, you just want that consistency from him and, you know, give Johnny Davis credit. Like he's always consistent. Maybe his shots aren't falling, but he's going to play defense and he's going to rebound and he's going to make the right pass most of the time. And so even though like we can, you know, it's easy to say, Oh, he's not, he's not consistent because he was shot four for 16 from the field. That might be right. Shots don't go in some nights. It's the big 10. It's this league is so good defensively. 
but he does everything else with consistent effort. And that just can't be overstated. Like that type of, that type of culture that he has, and he's, he's the leader of that. He's the ringleader of that. Um, and Brad Davison is too, that, that can't, you know, that doesn't just happen. That's taught. That's a development thing. That's, that's, we all are doing this together. And, and he really embodies that. On the flip side of this, Purdue has to be so disappointed that in a year that the Big Ten is not that strong, uh, at least I, I think at the top, right? Like, like Illinois is a good team. Are they a great team? We'll see. Maybe in, in the uh, NCAA tournament. Wisconsin, I think we can all agree, doesn't pass the eye test of a great team. Like you watch Arizona last night or you watch Illinois play Wisconsin. You're like, yeah, not, not a great team there, Wisconsin. Um, but Ohio State inconsistent, right? Michigan State and Michigan are, are having off years. They got to be so disappointed they don't win a share uh, of the Big Ten title, and they couldn't get a stop. Isaac, like Jaden Ivey's going off down the stretch. When Zach Eady was on the court, they were great. Um, Trevion Williams was awful. I, I thought Matt Painter going to Trevion Williams at that under eight media timeout really hurt Purdue. Uh, like, I didn't think Painter had a great finish to that game, but. It's defense, right? They, they couldn't get a stop. And for whatever reason, this Purdue team just looks like it coasts at times. They, they just, I don't know if that's unfair, but it feels like we've seen their elite level. Like Illinois saw their elite level at Mackey. And, and usually at Mackey, they have that. But for whatever reason, they just don't seem like the motor revs. I mean, you saw the, the complete, you know, opposite yesterday with Wisconsin felt like they won that play with or won that game with 50 50 balls and 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 obviously some some nice bounces that go their way but they created a lot of opportunities and just felt like Purdue did yeah you feel bad for Purdue and I think you know Zach Eady had a quote in the post-game press conference where he's saying you know when when are the bounces going to go our way you know when's this going to happen because you look through like they've had four big 10 losses where they've had you know three buzzer beaters in the last one second to go ahead and, and lose a game. And then they had a Rob Finnessy three with 18 seconds left that broke that one. And you go, when are the bounces going to go our way? But the other thing that I look at is maybe don't blow a big lead against Rutgers so that you're in position to lose on a half court shot. Maybe take care of business against Indiana. And so you're not in position to get yeah. there. Maybe don't blow a huge lead to, you know, all of those things. It's just like, it feels like this team, you know, coming into the year, Painter is, is and, and I love Painter. Matt Painter is yeah. one of my favorite coaches in the league. He's, I think he does a great job. But he talks about how deep this team is. I, I'm not sure they're as deep as some people think. Like, I like their role players, but Jaden Ivey needs to be on the floor for 38 minutes a night. And I think that this 50-50 split with Travion Williams and Zach Eady isn't necessarily right. Like, you have to understand that, like, there are going to be some nights against Wisconsin, who is one of the worst post-up defenses, where you need to have Zach Eady on the floor. Like, he needs to be on the floor. That split might need to be 60-40. You know, Isaiah Thompson got completely phased out of the rotation last night because he can't guard. Caleb First was not giving them a ton offensively, right? Like, and and Ethan Morton is not known as a, a scorer off the bench. So, and, and Brandon Newman obviously got hurt, and that might be a, an interesting loss, although he was kind of getting phased out too. So, I think this Purdue team, like, coming in, they're like, wow, we got 10 guys we can go to and all these pieces that are so good. I don't think they're as deep as some may think and that depth hurt them because you saw you know the role players step up for wisconsin when their stars weren't getting it going and they they made plays and produce role players that all right isaac so for illinois this means they still need help and they need help from nebraska ball which well, let's watch out for hoiberg ball because they are just uh on a tear here two wins in a row huge upset of ohio state which is 
looking like a two-player team right now. After that, uh, you know, Kyle Young big performance against uh, Illinois, they have not played very well. It's all Liddell and Branham, and and their guard play outside of Branham is just not very good right now. And EJ Liddell just doesn't have much help. Uh, he's having a heck of a year. But Nebraska has some talent. Uh, McGowan's boys have made some big shots. Alonzo Verge had his most point guardish game I've ever seen. He was making good decisions, which is like once in a blue moon. Um, so Wisconsin, maybe it's a hangover, but it's it's Wisconsin. I, I don't imagine them uh, wanting Illinois to have a chance at this. And of course, Illinois has to take care of business. Penn State at home. We know Penn State can be tough and, and muck it up a little bit. And then Iowa's playing as, as well as anybody. So uh, we'll break down some of the scenarios. But uh, right now, T-Rank gives Illinois a 6.5% chance at a share of the title. And you brought this up earlier in the week. It'd be crazy. It's a crazy amount of circumstances that Illinois over three years has the best record in the Big Ten by far. Over the last two years could go 31-9 and if they went out in the Big Ten and not have a share of a Big Ten regular season title. And the two teams that won it, you absolutely curb stomped. You curb stomped Michigan last year in your one one time you played them. You played Wisconsin this year, and it wasn't even close. Like, it's it's obvious Illinois has the severe matchup advantage inside. Kofi Coburn had one of the best games that we've seen from a big man all year long against Wisconsin, one of the most efficient games against we've ever seen. You curb stomped both of the teams that won, and you don't get it. You talk about Ayodesumu, goes 25-5 and five last year, first time that any player's done that, had multiple triple doubles. He doesn't win player of the year. Kofi Coburn averages 20 and 10 this year. We haven't seen that in a, from a big man in decades. And he doesn't win player of the year, maybe. Like, like I don't – I can understand the frustrations that some people could have. You go, man, we have, like, these things here. It's just like we have these special players. We have a special team. You love the rebuild. And we still just keep coming up short for these big things. Now, how do you fix it? You go on a run in March. Yeah. Didn't get it two years ago. Didn't get it last year. And I think that, you know, maybe those frustrations aren't as as levied, aren't as, you know, people aren't as mad about it if you go on a run in March. But it's just it's just absolutely insane that we could have two back to back years of, you know, stellar performances that we've never seen from anybody in the Big Ten ever in a long, long time. And they both don't win player of the year and you both don't win the, the title, even though you beat the team that did it. Like, that's just you can't make that up. Yeah, we all know the circumstances of last year. Right. Like we, we all understand that. I saw some Michigan media last night say, hey, if all these games Michigan's made up, they, they've won, well, maybe should have made up three more games last year and seen how it all played out. I think Illinois deserved a share. They signed up for the rules. Don't want to relitigate that entire thing, but we know what happened there. Also, I think 2020 not having a chance at the postseason, not having the Big Ten tournament, not getting to play Iowa again. We all wanted that, right? Like, let's get Iowa again in that great series uh, and not having a potential Sweet 16 run because I think with the way Io, Kofi, and Andres Felice was playing at the end of that year, I think that team could have made a Sweet 16. Maybe it helps you the next year. You don't have that dud. You know what uh, the NCAA tournament's all about. Um, but those things happened, right? And, and Illinois doesn't have – like that's why that Big Ten tournament felt so huge for Illinois fans because they finally got a banner to kind of kind of put into place what this last three, five years has been of this rebuild where you're bottom of the Big Ten, right? And all of a sudden you shoot up here and you want something tangible to hold on to. And you have that Big Ten tournament title, you just end up following it with one of your – 
most memorable early exits in the NCAA tournament. That's why this season and the Big Ten Big Ten title regular season means so much, and I think it means so much to get to the second weekend is because you just want something tangible to hold. You want a banner. You want multiple banners for what is one of the best runs in Illinois history, right? Like to, to go three years like this, Isaac, where Brad Underwood's record is just ridiculous these last three years, right? Um, I'll do the math in my head right away. 42 and 16 in the Big Ten. You're 42 and 16, and you don't have a, a Big Ten regular season championship. You haven't made it to the second weekend of the tournament. Of course, you haven't played two of those tournaments in three years yet. So it's I understand why there's a lot of anxiety right now of Illini fans of we got to get something here because I don't think there's a cliff coming, and that's the important thing. Get as many bites at the apple. That's what makes Michigan State so great um, and, and why they have so many banners because they get so many bites at the apple. They're good all the time. They find a way to win Wisconsin the same way. But I understand the anxiety going into this postseason and this last week of the regular season because you just want that tangible thing to hold and to, and to show people, see, see how good we are. And no coach of the year for Brad Underwood, either of the three years. <laughs> That's like I, I. That's just like you could argue like he could potentially have been coach of the year every single one of those years. Now, Expectations now, need to be lower for him. Like get Illinois pick seventh next year, they get second place or first place, then he'll get it. Yeah. So it's just it's it, it. You're totally right. It's just a completely different. It's a completely different aura when when you have something to hold on to. When you have the T-shirt that says champion on it. When you have the you can you can you know put it on social media hey we're the champs you know what i mean all those things when you can raise the you know cut the nets down like when you can do all those things and i i i agree though it's like it's like you want something because this is the beginning you think of something really good but i just look at the future and i I know that this team is going to be here next year like i know that this team is going to be in the hunt for a big 10 title barring something catastrophic like you know what the future holds for this program and it's sustainable. It's not, this isn't a one-year thing. And I think that's what something, if you're, you know, if you're an Illinois fan and you're frustrated that you're not getting a banner, you might not get a banner this year unless Nebraska pulls off some, you know, big upset and you, you didn't get, you know, you, you didn't get it one last year, even though you felt like maybe you deserved one. You can just keep the solace of, listen, we're not going anywhere. We're going to keep coming back. Like you, I look at this roster next year and I'm excited about it. I love the the upside of some of these things. You know, I, I, I kind of want a little bit, not saying like I don't appreciate what the veterans have done for this program, but you kind of want a little bit of a, a new juice, a new blood. You want to see something you haven't seen before. I think, you know, I was, uh, I, I was talking to the buddy about this, like you know, with guys, like with guy friends, the longer you hang out with them, the more you don't like them, right? Like that's a hundred percent a real thing with, with men, with men, friends and stuff. And like, that's kind of how you feel sometimes with your roster. When you've seen the same guys and the same faces for a year after year after year, you kind of want something new. And I think next year you can see something new with seven top 100 guards in that backcourt. Maybe they're young, maybe they're unproven, but I'm really excited about to seeing what they could become. And, you know, that's why like, that's why I wouldn't necessarily stress too much about this final little thing here, because you just know that this is going to be a program that's going to be here next year. You're going to be in the top 25. You're going to be a big 10 contender. And, and that's, that's the part that's sustainable. And that's the part that's the most exciting. Cause this isn't, this isn't a blip on the radar. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think with the way they've recruited the pieces that fit like Epps Rogers are really good talents. You've seen the flashes out of, Melendez uh, that that he could be a, a star. You know they go in the transfer portal. Let's be honest, we don't know what's going to happen with Kofi. Like Kofi could be back, 
that that that's a potential. I'm not saying it's going to happen or that I've heard it's definitely going to happen, but it's got to be a consideration because there is some logic behind it. So um, I, I look back at Lou Henson in the 80s belong the Illini. Everyone talks about that. He won a share of one Big Ten title. And that's what this Big Ten reminds me of. Like, listen, I don't want to take anything away from the Bill Self, Bruce Weber run of Big Ten titles, four and five years. It was an unbelievable run. And Illinois deserved all of those. But besides Michigan State, there wasn't really another great program uh, in the Big Ten at that time. So uh, Illinois is in a much tougher Big Ten in, in these last couple of years of not getting a Big Ten title. I know what happened last year, but Michigan was very good, and I know why everything that went into them winning it, but it just shows how good the Big Ten is as well. I think it's so deep that it's hard to go 15-1 and or only lose three or four games in a 20-game schedule because it's so good. And then you've obviously had the Andre Curbelo and Kofi Coburn thing, so for Illinois to be as good as it is, it's, it's pretty amazing. You just look through the Hanson things. Starting in, in, in 81, third, sixth, Tied for second, tied for first, second, tied for fourth, fourth, tied for third. The year the flying Illini, they got second, right? Tied for tied for fourth, tied for third. Like that was the ten year run there for for Illinois basketball. Great run, great run. Only one Big Ten championship banner to, to show for it. I just bring that up because I think the Big Ten right now is kind of comparable to what it was in the eighties completely agree i completely agree i think you know i, I remember reading about those 0405 teams and i want to say like iowa was decent back then like i, I was decent. seven i don't really remember that thing you know what i mean like so it's just it just shows like the balance in this league like if you look at the pac-12 right now like arizona is obviously i should say wisconsin was very good bo ryan devin harris true. i think it was wisconsin michigan state uh illinois were, were kind of the teams back then indiana i know in 2002 was pretty good but it just wasn't as deep uh as it is right now well yeah and like my point is like with the, how deep the big 10 is right now like if you put illinois in the acc probably winning that one you put illinois in the pac-12 maybe you don't win it but you're right in the mix right there with arizona i would think like you're kind of fighting for that one up there too so it's just like it just feels like this you know right now the big 12 and the big 10 are just the two and the SEC are just like they're so top heavy and they're so deep and that's why ha just having a chance here in the last week is the most important thing and you're going to be battle tested and ready to go and I saw a lot of you know I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter yesterday about how you know the Big Ten's going to get you know this, they don't have any teams that can really make a run in March and I, I just I feel like it's so matchup based and we can't really say that until we see the see the brackets because I know that if Illinois is going up against teams that can't guard post-ups you're going to be just fine like you yeah. are going to be just fine, and if, and if Alfonso Plummer gets hot, or Trent Frazier gets hot, I mean Jacob Grandison gets like they are a team that is capable of going far. They're also a team, and I think this is a, a, true of a lot of the teams in the Big Ten. Um, if they get the right matchup, get hot, it's a team that could get deep into the second weekend. Uh, but they're also all these teams I could see losing in the second round, right? Well, and the thing too that's different about Illinois that I that I wanted to bring up is I think Illinois is getting deeper as the season has gone on, and I think we're seeing guys like teams like Wisconsin. They're not as deep as you are. You look at Purdue. We talked about that earlier. The depth is going away. Michigan State's a great example. Yeah, they got a lot of guys. That doesn't mean they're very deep. Yeah. Michigan is another example. Like it's getting you know Brandon Johns Jr. is completely phased out of the rotation, and whereas with Illinois, it's like okay, we have our five. You think you like your starting five. Curbelo has continued to 
press and press and press and say, hey, hey, I need more run here. I need to get more in. Coleman Hawkins had is starting to make his path into this rotation. You know, I think RJ Melendez and both Luke Goody, both of those guys, like you just know what you're going to get from them when they get on the floor. Maybe they'll be a little bit up and down, but they're pretty consistent for freshmen, which is kind of unlike it. And you have a guy in Omar Payne who's just Omar Payne, right? Like you, you have a backup big. That's the thing though. Like you have eight, nine guys that you feel like you can theoretically trust. If Matt Painter could tell the truth and no one knew about it, I don't know if he would say he has nine guys that he can trust. I know Tom Izzo doesn't have nine guys he can trust. I know Jawan Howard and Phil Martelli and that Michigan staff don't have nine guys they can trust. And that's the difference between this Big Ten t- or between Illinois and the rest of the Big Ten. They have guys that they can trust. And honestly, this team that's second deepest is Iowa. They're turning into a team that can have some depth. And that's why I look at that last game of the regular season. That's not going to be that's not going to be an easy game anymore. I was playing a lot better. And you can't just assume that you're going to be able to to walk in and play. And that's why I look at the, both of those teams, Illinois and Iowa, are turning into the deepest teams, and you need that in March. You need yep. multiple answers. I don't know if you necessarily had that last year. I think Illinois has a little bit more more keys to the puzzle that, that, that can kind of come in and, and you know win you a game if necessary. So just to go over the scenarios, if Illinois wins out, it will share the Big Ten title and be the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament if Nebraska uh, pulls off another huge upset against Wisconsin. So that they would need those things to happen. If they win out and Wisconsin beats Nebraska, they'll be the number two seed in the Big Ten tournament um, if Wisconsin wins. If Illinois splits its final two games, it's definitely got a double bye in the Big Ten tournament, and it would be either the number two seed or the number three seed, depending on if Purdue beats Indiana. If Purdue beats Indiana, you're the three seed because uh, they beat you twice. If Illinois loses out, You could go anywhere from the number three seed to the number five seed. They're a three seed if Ohio State loses one more game uh, because Illinois has the tiebreaker with Iowa. They beat Wisconsin. Uh, Number four seed for Illinois if Ohio State wins out and Iowa loses to Michigan, which is going to be a fun game itself. And then they're the number five seed if Ohio State and Iowa both win their final two games, which, of course, means Iowa beats Illinois. So a lot at stake there. Um, They just got to beat Penn State, man. Like Beat Penn State. You got that double buy. You're either two or a three seed. And then the Iowa game, Isaac, after that, if you take care of business against, uh, you know, Penn State, you got a chance then to really pad your resume. Because if you beat Penn State, it's not going to really help you net ranking all of that. But right now you're probably on that four line. If you beat Iowa, that's one of your best wins of the season because they are the highest ranked net game you've won this season. You add double that. And then all of a sudden you go into the Big Ten tournament with three quad one opportunities potentially, including, which I would love to see again, Purdue in the uh, semifinal. So after if you just beat Penn State after that, it seems like it's all gravy for this team. I think that it would be ideal for Illinois to have Purdue on their side of the bracket if you're trying to boost your resume. Now, if you want to go win the Big Ten tournament, you'd kind of like to be with Wisconsin, right? That would mean you drop to the four. That's a lot going on there for that to happen. But I think if you if you really want to boost that resume, I think you'd boost it a lot if you go into, you know, you take care of business with Penn State, you take care of business against Iowa, you win that first round game, maybe it's Michigan State, whoever that is. Michigan and State, then you get- Rutgers, Michigan, one of those teams. Right, and I think you would want to play Michigan State right now. One thing to note with Michigan State, uh, they keep playing post-ups one-on-one. They don't double. 
that's a problem when you go up against Kofi Coburn. That's a real problem. And I'm just going to go out on a limb. I don't think Tyson Walker is going to turn into MJ and score 27 points again. Did you – I don't know. I know you probably didn't watch that game last night, but I went rewatched it this morning. Uh, Tyson Walker, they're playing drop coverage against him. He wasn't even looking at the rim to shoot at all. Like, I I, like, I have no idea how he went off against Illinois. After, yeah, like, so you know, many fans like, are saying, so like, weird. so many fans are after Ohio State lost last night. How did they lose to Ohio State? Ohio State played one of his worst games against Nebraska, played one of its best games against Illinois. It happens. This is this is basketball. The transitive property does not work here, right? Like, so you can't get yourself in knots that way, but that's what makes Wisconsin so amazing is they're consistently winning close games even though they look really ugly doing it. Like my favorite thing with Wisconsin is like looking back and being like, do you remember when they beat Nichols state by three? Yeah. Do you remember when they, you know, barely beat Northwestern and they barely eked past Minnesota and they needed a late bucket from wall to beat Penn state Mm -hmm. after scoring 49 points through 39 and a half minutes. Like that's some of those things are just like, it's just, just whatever. You know what I mean? Like they're devil magic champs. You you know so well about it. Yeah, no, I totally know all about it. it uh, what did Trevor Valise say? It's Jeremy Hazelbaker going off, you know, late in a regular season. Like, it, it's 100%. That's what it is. But, you know, I think the thing, too, is if you look at this Big Ten tournament, you know, sometimes, like, you know, last year people wondered if, hey, did Illinois winning that tournament, did that hurt them? I don't know if it hurt them. You know, winning those things gives you momentum, all those things. Does it hurt you? No, it doesn't. But I think that this Big Ten tournament gives you a chance to get onto that three line for sure. If you're on that three line for sure, I think that changes things. Could you get it where you're with Providence as the number two? Wisconsin? Like, you want to think ahead? Hey, could, right. could you be with Wisconsin in Milwaukee? Like, that'd be a heck of a crowd, heck of an atmosphere if those teams got to the Sweet 16. But, yeah, I'd much rather play one of those teams if I get to the Sweet 16 than, say, Gonzaga or Arizona or or one of these top teams. Kentucky, potentially, is a really tough matchup for Illinois. So, yeah, I think the difference between that three and four seed is is huge. Even though I think Illinois is a four seed, the one seed would be like, God dang it. Right. Right. No, I don't think I don't think, you know, I don't think Auburn or if they got a one would love to play Illinois at all. I don't think so at all. So it, it is right. Like that's where I look at this thing and I go, Can you get to the three? And if you can get to the three, it requires beating Iowa, it requires beating Penn State, Michigan State. I think if you beat Purdue in the Big Ten semis, I think you're guaranteed a three. And I think you can start thinking about potentially a two if you won the Big Ten title. Like you would have yeah. an amount of net wins that you're talking about. I think that would be your 25 and eight at that point. That looks a lot like a two seed, you know what I mean, with some of the wins that they would have. And and, and we'd have to, you know, we'd have to see how it all plays out. But yeah, the one other point, thing, too. At that point, Isaac, you'd have nine quad one wins, depending on how, how all the rest of the teams. Could you add another one if Michigan goes on a run here or something mm-hmm. like that? Like you'd have, you'd have the potential to be that maybe the last two seed if you'd made a run like that. Yeah, and and I I think it, again it really would matter more to be on that th- two three line, right? Like if you can get to that three for sure, that's that's a great thing because I don't think the difference between a two and the three are going to be all that negligible, and it's going to be pretty negligible in the long run. But I will say, if Illinois wants to do these things and they want to go on a run, their defense has to improve. Uh, you know, if you kind of look back at the non-garbage time stuff, you have 1.12 points per allowed per possession uh, in four of the last five games. Now, granted, you're playing good offensive teams, but that hadn't happened very often in the first 23 games. You know, only five times. I was kind of looking back through it today. Uh, that That's a little bit 
concerning for me. Like this team really relied on defense for the most part for that run last year. Like their defense was the reason why they they went on that run. Um, and then they figured it out offensively. And it feels like this one's a little bit the other way around. Like you kind of have, you kind of like where you're at offensively and it's kind of like, can we get enough stops? Can we get enough going on here? So I think defensively, this is the big, this is a big stretch for them. Cause I think you can get right against Penn state and that's going to be fine. But Iowa can test you in a lot of ways offensively with some of the stuff that they run. Now I think Illinois has, you know, a big advantage in the post. I think Illinois has a big advantage on the guards, but they can, their wings can be a problem for you. Now is RJ Melendez going to be back? Could that help with, you know, helping out on Keegan Murray, some of those things that, that we'll, we'll have to find out. But if, if Illinois really wants to string these together, the defense has to find a way to get a little bit more connected. There's just way too many times where teams are getting easy buckets because they're not as connected and, and, you know, it's simple things that it feels like easy to fix, but they just have to find a way to execute that. And that'll be, that'll be a thing I'm really watching in this last week. Yeah. And it weird to say, but Michael Tua brought, brought this up. Like Andre Corbello could be a huge X factor defensively, huge Coleman Hawkins, huge X factor defensively. So to see those guys come along, giving Brad Underwood more options, giving them more depth, Isaac, I think is, is huge. And, and that's what you're hoping for. I think, if you're looking for anything in your final week, it's to build off of those two and, and all the pieces kind of finally, finally, after all this time, you're 20 and eight, despite all of these, uh, you know, hurdles you faced with illness and injuries. But if you can get right the final week and into the big 10 tournament leading into March madness, maybe then you can reach the ceiling. We've all seen for this team and, and, and kudos to them for, probably reaching the ceiling of what this team was capable given of all those injuries and illnesses but Curbelo man is a game changer Coleman Hawkins is something you don't have if those guys can give you something somewhat consistently as consistently as sophomores can this team could be really dangerous I completely agree and I think Coleman Hawkins emergence uh, when you look at some of the lineups that they're able to play like the Trent Frazier um, Alfonso Plummer Jacob Grandison at the three and then you move Coleman Hawkins to the four and Kofi at the five, that lineup has been really, really consistently good, like really good on both ends, really good defensively and really good offensively. And you think about it, it makes sense because you have, you know, you have your ball handling, you have your two shooters and or three shooters and, and Trent and Plummer and Grandison that keep the floor space. You have Kofi doing what he wants to do inside. And then Coleman just gives you that you know, like he just gives you a different energy that you don't necessarily see. Like the offensive rebounding has been huge. His ability to handle is really comfortable. Like I think he's more comfortable handling the basketball than Devontae Williams at times. Like we've seen some of that, those things and the passing and, and everything else that goes in there. And I think Devontae is going to be a valuable piece and you need him against some of these teams coming up down the stretch. But if Coleman can assert himself as that guy, as a guy you can play for 21 minutes a night it just completely changes how how teams can how teams defend illinois and how they can defend other teams because they're just so long like coleman hawkins might might be your third best rim protector on this team behind behind omar and, and kofi and, yeah, and he just does second. so he does so many things better than omar right? Uh, right there's so many other things he does better than omar that yeah i think omar's a better rim protector but everything else coleman's obviously uh, better at this point uh, before I let you go, Isaac, I just want to run down the bracketology here real quick. Wisconsin, I'm looking at Brad Evans, Valley Sports. Wisconsin, the eighth overall seed, final number two seed, seems right. Purdue now drops to the number three seed. Remember, I mean, they've been one or two, it feels like, for the entire season. That seems right for those teams. And I think Illinois is the first number four seed, 
Sounds about right. So Purdue has got a lot to play for. Wisconsin, Illinois, they all got a lot to play for to solidify themselves in that two, three seed range, right? I completely agree. Who is that last one seed that they would be with? Uh, so Wisconsin would be, I mean, they'd probably be with Baylor. No, I'm sorry, Illinois, oh. I'm saying like like they're the first four seed. Yeah, he, Brad run? doesn't break it up into where they're going to be put, but I would imagine it's Baylor or Auburn, right, if, if they're going to go to the Midwest. I think you would be fine with either. Now, I, I have a lot of respect for Scott Drew and everything that he's been doing this year, but it doesn't sound like LJ Cryer is going to be back, and he's been their leading scorer. They obviously lost their big man inside every day, John. That's a big loss, too. And then Auburn's guard play has been a problem. So, like, those two teams are talented and everything, but they have they have some flaws, and obviously you don't want to look ahead too much, but I think Illinois would be licking its chops. Like, you, Walker Kessler is scary. I totally get that. People can look at the blocks and get, say, oh, my gosh, he's scary. Colin Castleton tore him up, tore him up on the block just because he has the length to go over him. And I, I think Kofi – I don't think Kofi would be scared about Walker Kessler going into that game. So that's the thing, like you have to think about far and ahead. Like every time I look at a bracket and this is what I'm going to do on selection Sunday, if you're looking at Illinois path, you go, do they have a guy that can guard Kofi one-on-one? That's it. That's it. Cause Illinois basketball is so much more effective when that's not the answer. Arizona does Duke does. I think Gonzaga would feel pretty good about it, but there's yeah. not a ton of teams that have it. I, I mean, a guy like Coloco, I mean, you're talking about the one seeds Kessler. They, they have guys. That, that can slow down Kofi um, or make it difficult for him. The first couple of rounds, I, I don't think you're going to run into that very much, especially if Illinois is a 4-13, I have a lot of confidence. I have a lot of confidence. I mean, everything can go wrong and maybe you lose, but I would have a lot of confidence because of Kofi. Um, what would concern me is big guards, a lot of big guards and, and a good four, right? That, that is what has been uh, their Achilles heel. Speaking of that, Ohio State, you got to go from Illinois at 13 to Ohio State at 25, so from a four seed to the top seven seed, Iowa also. I mean, we were talking about them as a 10 seed a couple weeks ago, now firmly at a seven seed uh, for Brad Evans. And Michigan State, in a month, Isaac, has gone from tie for first to a tie for six, potentially an eight seed in the Big Ten tournament. They're an eight seed in the uh, in, in the bracketology here, but I wouldn't feel good. Uh, I'm, like, everyone's going to have them as, a, as an eight-nine game, having them advance. I I don't feel confident in Michigan State. And I, I think they go up against a one seed. I don't think they have much of a chance at all. Which team would you rather play, Michigan State or Michigan, in the NCAA tournament? Michigan State. By far. By far. I mean, Hunter Dickinson is an amazing player. Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate are trouble. It's about their guard play. If Eli Brooks and uh, Devontae Jones play well, Michigan can be a giant killer. That's my thing. And and that's that's where, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see if Michigan gets in this field. How many guys would you draft on Michigan before you got to a Michigan State player? Um, Hunter Dickinson is a draft. Um, I mean, he's one. I would probably – I love Musa. Like, I love Musa. He'd be I'd take Diabate in Houston next. Yeah. I would take Devontae Jones right now. Devonte Jones or Max Christie is tough. I Max Christie, what's he done? <laughs> I, I don't think he's gotten a lot of help. I, I don't know. know if it's necessarily his fault for some of those things. Like I, I, I think Malik Hall might guard. be the first guy I take on Michigan State, and I don't feel great about it. 
Yeah, I think it'd be. I think I would probably end up taking Malik Hall over Devontae Jones, just barely. Yeah. But I, it's probably four right there. Like that's the third. That's the third guy, and then he'd be the fourth. So it's close. And and that's the thing that's frustrating is like you saw this Michigan State team at the beginning. You go, wow, so many guys. And now we're going, wow, so many guys. Marcus Bingham played nine minutes last night. He was the ninth used player last night. Either they're, that's an, either that's seniors, Marcus Bingham man. being uncoachable, or that's Izzo, you know, maybe losing a little bit. I, I'm what not What happened sure. to Gay Brown? <laughs> what happened? Like what yeah. happened? I mean, Bingham and Brown were playing really well. Um, yeah, it's it's a very unizzo team. But it's kind of two years in a row we've seen that, so it's been interesting. Uh, Indiana firmly in it? Nah, not really. Eleven seed right now, but we've got a huge game, right? Indiana against Rutgers this week, I believe. So I mean, that's a monster game with Rutgers, one of the first four out. Um, that is tonight, Wednesday. We're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, Indiana hosting Rutgers. I would imagine whoever wins that one is in. Whoever loses that is out. Indiana then still has Purdue left. I don't think that hurts them necessarily with everything to gain potentially in that game on the road while Rutgers has Penn State. So I think if Rutgers wins this game, wins against Penn State, they're in. If Indiana uh, wins this one against or wins one of their final two, they're probably going to be in. Yeah, I can. I'm. I'm a little concerned. It's like it's weird because you see certain flashes from Indiana and you like them a little bit, but this February thing is real. Like it, this roster, like continues to fr- like just just to frustrate me. Now, I will say Rob Finnessy being back was a nice addition, and they nearly lost that game against Minnesota. But having him back is is big and helps them a lot. Um, but I, I just. I don't know if I love the leadership on that team. Like I, I personally, I would rather have Rutgers in the tournament other than Indiana. Like I just think that Rutgers is kind of deserving of it a little bit more based on what they've done down the stretch here. And I think that they would, you know, provide more of a punch depending on the matchup. Right. Like I think they would, but like this Indiana team, like you have guys getting suspended for games. You have, you know, the, the shot selection that you have, you have like the inconsistencies, you have snapping back. At coaches. They're a tough it's, watch, man it's really concerning and you know you look at what mike woodson has done and maybe from the outside you go out what a great job he's done like 19 and what are they yeah 18 and 10 like you know nine and nine and the tough big 10 you can say all those things but like the the product on the court is not is not that palatable rucker's problem is it's not conference i mean losing to depaul lafayette and umass uh they're what eight and three against quad three and quad four teams, but they're eight and nine against quad one and quad two teams. Well, Indiana's six and 10. So Indiana took care of the, the bad teams on schedule. They haven't really beaten many people uh, outside of the, the big Purdue win. So I, I, I agree. I'd, I'd rather see Rutgers, but uh, if Indiana beats Rutgers, I, I think that's going to be the one that vaults them and keeps them in. Like, so again, like we were talking about how like this big 10, like nobody's going to, we don't think this team, like, you know, you saw all that stuff. Oh, I don't know if this team can make a run like this, you know, the big 10 is going to be a non-factor in the tournament. I kind of want to zag and go maybe five teams make the, make the sweet 16. Like it feels like this is the chance where, you know, I, I, I know that there's frustrations, but Michigan is still talented enough where they could make a sweet 16 if, if they get in with the right draw. I think Iowa is playing at a level that you know, we haven't seen them defend like this in a long time. Like they're actually playing real defense. And I talked about it at the beginning of the year. Like I like some of the individual defensive pieces. They're playing a lot better defensively on that end. I think Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin, all could make sweet 16s theoretically with the right draw. Ohio state is still dangerous. So it's like, like I hear, I hear all that noise, but part of me wants to just go five in the sweet 16. That's just how it's going to be. And you you wanted to be the guy, you wanted to be the guy that said, everyone's saying the PAC 12 is awful before last year's tournament. And then look what the PAC 12 did. 
right? Like they got enough teams in, enough uh, dangerous six seeds and 12 and 11 seeds that uh, they made runs and got hot at the right time. So I agree. I mean, we can all sit there and say, yeah, I mean, based on what we've seen, there hasn't been a pretty team. Like there just hasn't been a very pretty team in the Big Ten, but they are battle tested uh, and, and they are dangerous because like, there is, let's be honest, the Big Ten, it might not have the depth of some of these other conferences and talent, but the high level of talent, man, like I can see Keegan Murray being a superstar. Uh, in, in this NCAA tournament. I mean, Kofi is capable. Of, Alfonso Plummer is capable of doing something like that. So uh, Jaden Ivey goes on a hot run and Zach Eady plays 25 minutes. I can definitely see Purdue get into a Final Four if they just defend a little bit. Um, but based on what we've seen over the, the long sample size, yeah, I'm not bullish on them, but it'd be crazy in a single elimination tournament to say, oh, the Big Ten's definitely not getting a an Elite Eight team or something like that. Yeah, no, it isn't. It isn't because we just need to see the matchups. And again, like the National Player of the Year conversation is featuring a bunch of Big Ten players. So like, that's that's some of the nuanced stuff that we have to consider. Maybe let's let's maybe like lose the historical thing and just look at this year to date because the NCAA tournament's the most random thing we have in all of sports. All of it. We have never had more random thing than this. And when you have superstars, superstars win, and and deep teams win. You know, and I you know I I don't like. Some watching Wisconsin sometimes. I don't like the Purdue things that we've seen. I don't like the, some of the stuff from Iowa that we've seen. They're still really talented teams. They're still, and every team has flaws this year. There's not a, you know, there's not a complete team like Gonzaga and Baylor are an anomaly last year. Like we don't have a complete team in college basketball this year. And I think that's where you can look at some of these Big Ten teams that have the star power and are playing better at the right times and go, that's a, an elite eight team potentially if if they get the right draw. The one thing that you hope for Illinois is what they have a little bit different than these other teams in the Big Ten. They're old. They're old. Um, you know, Wisconsin's a pretty young team. You know, Purdue, pretty young team. I know Sasha and some of these other guys are upperclassmen. Ohio State's pretty young. Iowa's got some older guys, but they they're pretty young. Like you hope for you know, Illinois Rutgers seem like the oldest teams in this league, but you hope that pays off and you hope last year really fuels them that hey we can't like every game matters we every day matters here there's no tomorrow well and i think last year can be a little bit of a sounding board for illinois for purdue they were knocked out early last year upset iowa was a two seed and got punked and ohio state those four teams like they're gonna be they're gonna have a chip on their shoulder heading into this tournament after how it ended last year and i think that stuff matters going through it a second year with a lot of the same core guys for most of the teams that stuff matters it's stupid to think that it wouldn't help them right and going through that and experiencing that so i think that you know you're gonna have some teams come in here with you know they're trying to prove a point that this isn't going to be a year-to-year thing where they're going to get upset early and, and I think that really matters sometimes too. And I, I still think Illinois has the, the highest ceiling of any of these teams in the big 10 to make a run, because if you want to win six games, you got to be able to do it on both ends. And we've seen that from both on both ends from both of these teams. And I, I just think that you have, you have the, the pieces in place the, to be able to beat teams different ways. You can beat teams five out. You can beat teams with Kofi and you can beat teams with plumber threes. You can beat teams with Andre Corbello pick and rolls. And, you know, you look at like Iowa feels like they have one way to beat you. And, and you look at, at Purdue and you go, you have a couple ways to beat you. And, and I think that's where the difference is with Illinois. Like there's going to be nights where Illinois in the big 10 tournament can hold a team under 60 because of their defense. And that, that can win you a game. And that's what's so valuable in this time of the year. And I, I expect that I expect bounce backs from those four teams that got upset last year early. I think, I think it'd be, I think it'd be shocking to me if all four of those teams got upset again. 
Okay, so outside of Wisconsin, Illinois, Purdue, which team would you pick to go farthest in the tournament? Mm, that's really putting me on a rough spot. Go with the uh, hot team. You know you want to. Iowa? You going to go Iowa there? I, I've, I, Ohio State, man, I love – you were on the Brandon train before anybody. He's hot, man. Like, they they can get to another level, but it's kind of like Purdue. Defensively, I just – I can't count on them, and that's why Iowa started to play a little defense. It's been bad teams. That's where I'm a little hesitant. Like they're playing a lot of bad teams here recently, but it feels like they can learn something from it. That hey, if we defend a little bit, we can be really dangerous. I'll pick Iowa, and the reason why too is that like yes, it has been against bad teams, but the eye test—they're passing the eye test with how connected they are. Yep. Like if you watch that Northwestern team, I know that Northwestern cannot score, but Iowa's passing like they're connected defensively. They are rotating really, really well. They're always in the right spots. Like they're they're executing the game plan. They're not getting lost on shooters. They know what they're supposed to do. That type of stuff matters. I mean, since February sixth, so since February, Iowa is six no seven and one that's a real thing like that's a real thing and i get they've played you know they've played nebraska twice they've played maryland they've played northwestern they've played minnesota but the defense is real like they gave ohio state problems like real legitimate problems with their defense uh connor mccaffrey's been a big part of that aaron ulis has been been a big part of that chris murray's playing better defense i like tony perkins he's been playing better as well they switched up their lineup they brought perkins in and they put Toussaint on the bench and i think that helped both ways kind of let um jordan bohannon handle the ball a little bit more so it's just like you you see like this the pieces are there and keegan murray is legit like he is 100 legit and the things that he does on a nightly basis are really fun and i get it's easy to go oh it's just iowa system and you know they don't play any defense and he just can you know do his thing in transition but he is one of the best transition uh, you know athletes in our game and this the shot making that he has is stupid like the step back jumpers the fadeaways the the threes the post-up moves like he has everything you could possibly want and if they can just be just decent defensively we've seen them go on a run and that's that's exactly what it is and we'll have to see it against better teams we're going to see it you know this week michigan's going to test them illinois is going to test them because they really haven't played elite elite big men like i like ej liddell like but ej is a four they haven't really played an elite big man and when that happened last time they played michigan michigan won 84 79 and, and hunter dickinson went for 14 and musa had 28 so mm-hmm. we'll have to see how it is against elite big men and they'll get that test this week and in the big 10 tournament i'd still love to see michigan against like kentucky duke or kansas in the second round i think that'd be a, a prime time matchup for a 2 10 game isaac trotter great to catch up about the big 10 exciting as always and then we got the big 10 tournament next week we could preview that as well thanks as always buddy Sounds good. See you later. Great stuff as always from our guy, Isaac Trotter. You can follow him on Twitter at Isaac underscore underscore Trotter. That's two underscores. Uh, so you can find him there. He's done a great job uh, since he's gone to national desk at 24-7 sports, uh, really covering college basketball, especially the Big Ten. But, man, he's up late watching Mountain West. He was just talking to me about that after this. He's like, dude, you got to watch it. He gets so excited about it. Um, but, yeah, he's got given us great coverage of, of college basketball, Big Ten basketball. So it's a great resource for us to bring out here on the podcast as well. And just love catching up with our guy as well. Thank you for listening to the Online Enquirer podcast. Give us a follow, a rating, review, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Or if you want to check them out on YouTube, I usually put up uh, our interview segments of our podcast, most of the meat of it, uh, on YouTube. You can check us out on YouTube. Just search Illini Inquirer. Give us a, a follow there, subscription, and uh, you can get notified when we have a new video. I like to cut up some of those clips. If you want to you know, get them in, in smaller doses, we'll do that as well. So give us a follow if you can. Take a couple minutes out of your day or a couple seconds out of your day and give us a follow on uh, YouTube as well. That helps us out. And uh, keep up with all our stuff at Illini Inquirer, Illinois against Penn State on Thursday against Iowa on Sunday, and then we start the postseason. Uh, but Derek Piper and I are hitting the road thir- Wednesday night as well tonight to go check out some high school action and some Illini commits uh, that are playing in the IHSA playoffs. So be on the lookout for that coverage as well. And you can get all of that coverage, VIP membership, for just $1 for your first month. If you're on the fence, just try one month for $1. I think you'll really like the coverage, especially with spring ball coming up as well. Yeah, NCAA tournament right in the spring ball. So it's not going to stop, especially with football recruiting heavily as well with all these visits coming up so you can check all that out at illiniinquire.com all right everybody take care of each other have a great day and we'll talk to you next time right here on the illini inquire podcast